Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. In fact, wherever or whenever you're listening to this episode of the NI Golf Channel podcast, and as it's the first episode of 2022, unbelievably, we're Woo! back. Myself <laughs> and herself, Emma, <laughs> we're back for another year of golf podcasting with a wee bit of an NI flavor. We are indeed. So kind of a kind of an NI sort of a wee tato flavor going on, I would like to think. Um, on today's podcast, we'll hear from Castle Rock's Bert Mackay, Northern Ireland Open format changes and Irish Open sponsorship. Yeah, and we'll also hear from former LET player Rebecca Cord on Leona Maguire. And we'll also give our home players a wee bit of an early season report. But as is mm-hmm. normal, a wee quick roundup of golf news you may have missed. And Emma, did you hear that Graham McDowell will tee off in a couple of competitions lined up from February the 25th to the 27th in Pakistan, of all places? This is did to you know, mark- I did not. No, not today, until I <laughs> spotted, spotted it online. So here <laughs> we have Graham is heading out there to the 18 hole. I'm going to try and say it, the Ramanza Golf Club. Um, it's been mm-hmm. designed by Sir Nick Faldo. There's going to be a few uh, pros out there, including Charlie Hull. So they're going to play a couple of match play tournaments over a few days. Um, it's a country's first signature championship course. Sounds great all around, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so Stephen Hamill from Lisburn Golf Club collected the TGI Golf Partner of the Year Award for 2021. Kevin Whitson from Royal County Down Golf Club received a standing ovation as he collected the Ian Johnston Lifetime Achievement Award. Kevin Whitson, part of the furniture there, there at Royal County Down. What a man. What a gig. Imagine, <laughs> imagine getting the job to be head pro at Royal County Down. What a spot like. Just incredible, incredible. That was Uh, right, wouldn't it? (laughs) Some gig. Anyway, the Irish PGA Championship is set to return to Carn Golf Links from August the 18th to the 20th, following successful staging uh, at the challenging and visually stunning. That sounds like a bit of marketing speak there. County Mayo (laughs) venue last year. I was there. It is stunning. It is stunning. It was a beautiful golf course, all right. Uh, David Higgins birdied, birdied the final hole last year to finish a shot clear of Mark Staunton and to claim the £6,000 first prize, and he'll be back to defend. Right, so we're going to pick up talking about the NI Open. So for 2022, they've announced some changes, and they've gone all Pebble Beach program slash Alfred Dunhill, whichever you prefer mm-hmm. to affiliate yourself with and um, so there'll be the three venues I quite like the way that this format works because you do get to see a lot of courses and things but we'll, we'll get around to that in a sec three venues Cairndu, Cal- Galgorm and Castle Rock and the Pro-Am format which will feature 104 pairs that is a lot of golfers and a lot of potential for error shall we say also <laughs> when you're dragging that many people in for a Pro-Am anyway Paul caught up with Castle Rock GM Bert McKay to hear all about it Bert, thanks for coming on the podcast, as always. Good to hear from you again. Absolutely, Paul. Thanks for having us. So, it's been a long time, no speaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for, well, I think there's been a few things in between, maybe. But uh, the NA Open has gone big time. It's gone Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So you've got uh, yourselves, Gal Gorm and Cairndu are all going to host this event. I think it's a great event to host. I think the fact that they are they are shaking it up, as you say, they're turning it into more of a pro-am style over three days. 
when you have a headland course, a, a links course, and a parkland course. So you, you really are seeing kind of the best in Northern Ireland, which is great. Um, and look, we've been working with Gary for, for a number of years anyway down at Galgorn. Um, and we talked about this probably last year towards the, the second half of the year. And it, it kind of made sense. We did a little bit in and around when they held the, the invitational event. Um, I played with Christina Kim and it kind of probably got speaking about hosting more ladies events and, and trying to look, the world of golf is moving to equality and it, it, this probably comes at the right time for us and for and for golf in Northern Ireland. When you are looking at hosting an event like that, Bert, I presume, you know, it's been a quiet enough period, but you're hopefully, fingers crossed, looking forward to a really, really busy summer now. Uh, what, is a, what does a club like Castle Rock hope to get? Is it, is it marketing? Is it a wee bit of word of mouth? Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not, uh, I mean, it's a European Tour and LPGA sanctioned event, um, but it is not, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's not the Irish Open, it's not um, at that high level, it's the Clutch Tour. Um, so from that point of view, the guys are then playing to try and get into a European Tour event. So it's a, a slightly lower level, so which means it's slightly less commitment from the clubs, if that makes sense. And the fact that, look, the golf course is not going to be shut on the lead up to the event, it's not going to be closed for a week. There's minimal disruption for the members. I think it's just a nice level of event for us. And as you say, look, it's, it's I think it's good marketing internally in, in the UK and Ireland. Yeah. So work's been going on over the work's been going on over the winter, I presume, at Castle Rock. But is our never leave things alone. You've had that redesign a few years ago now, but I presume it never stops up there. It, it doesn't. Um, and, and to be honest, I think if you asked uh, any greenkeeper in golf not just northern ireland the last two years has almost been a bit of a godsend to them because they've had a free run at doing some of the projects that they've maybe put off um yeah we, we we went through a big redesign a few years ago um which has been great it's now bedded in but there's a couple of tweaks that we wanted to make but it just the timing wasn't right so this winter we took the bull by the horns and um in and around our second green we've changed some of the contours I'm sitting here looking out towards the 18th green. We did some contour changes there. We've put some new paths in. Um, so some of the, some it's essential work. And, and, you know, I suppose all golf courses need to keep refining and doing what they're doing. But yeah, it's been, a, to be honest, it has been a nice time just to be able to get some of the, the bigger works completed again. Yeah, and you, you mentioned how big a year and a summer you're hoping for now to, all that latent interest, all those bookings that have been rolled over for a couple of years. Um, how big a year have we got to, to look ahead to, Bert, from a wider golf business point of view? I think with this, just the, the recent announcements that um, basically the COVID face coverings don't have to be worn, the, the internal movements can now happen without uh, passports, etc. All of that is, is, is good for society and it's great for golf. Uh, there's that little bit more freedom to move around the UK uh, and with that becomes confidence and, and the confidence then spreads into to bookings. Um, you know, you look at some of our neighbours and, and we have got some of the giants of Irish golf and that Royal Port Rush. I think that if you look for a tea time this summer, you would you might sporadically get one or two, but maybe not as many as you'd normally see. Uh, and and Port, Rush, uh, Port Stewart, should I say, is probably the same. So, look, it's a busy year. You know, we have to try and balance that with some member tea times as well. So there is limited availability at certain times of the year. But, um, you know, yeah, there's this pent-up demand. I think we're all seeing ourselves, even 
data state, the girls in the office are looking for where they're going to move on the next holiday. So I think everybody's the same. You know, if you're a golfer, you're, you're, you're keen to make that bucket list trip now since you've sat in the house for the last two years, data state. For yourselves hosting an event like the NI Open, um, well, what sort of way will you set things up? Obviously, it's a length course, so if we get a lovely dry June, July, it's going to be hard and fast. But what sort of length are we talking about, Bert, for, for Castle Rock? What can it play to and how tough can it play? Look, you say the weather will dictate what the scoring will or will not be. Um, you know, I think that you see that through major tournaments. St Andrews, the wind blows two, three unders, a great score. If it's flat cam, nine, ten unders, a great score. So, look, Castle Rock is a bit different. Um, you know, we, we, we probably won't be using all of our back tees because it, it just doesn't need it. Um, so we would see a course in and around six, seven, six, eight. Uh, par 73 um, the ladies obviously off their forward tees we probably bring some of them back into what you would typically see as our white tees and have a mix of those so I think you'll play a nice variation at the end of the day it needs to be playable and, and as a new event we want the scoring to be pretty good to be honest we don't want to see 10 over par being a great score over the three days it needs to be a playable for, for even interest levels so yeah I, I think it will be a playable day uh, set up um, but as you say yourself you get a 35 40 mile an hour wind which is not unheard of around here then you know level par is all of a sudden a great score yeah and i suppose one of the things is now you've got to factor in there's amateurs playing in the field so you can't have your greens running too quick and you can't have the rough up to your neck and all that sort of thing so as you say it, it's going to be playable it has to be playable for everybody there and uh, it does. And, and and look, where the tournament comes, I mean, we're hosting it on the 5th of July, so we're the second day. Um, rewind the clock two or three days beforehand, and we've got our captain's day. So, you know, our course, we would try and have it in the best condition possible for our captain's day, and then it's just going to be a continuation of that into this event. So, you know, what the guys will be playing come the event will be vertically identical to what the members will be experiencing on Saturday. So, um, it will come at a nice time of year. And as you say, if we get some half-decent weather on the run-in, then you are going to see the firm, fiery links course that everybody expects to see. Brilliant, Bert. Thanks very much for the chat, as always, and all the best for 2022. Well, it does certainly sound like a very good way to sell the old NI golfing product, don't you think, PK? Ah, it definitely does. I would suggest that you couldn't get much better, as Bert says, inland, headland and links. Um, mm. And, you know, it's one of the things that I remember talking to people about, Northern Ireland is so small, but yet we have all these types of golf courses within mm. such a tight space. So you have, you know, real classic tough parklands and traditional parklands like Malone and Beaver stuck in the heart of Belfast, you know, and then you mm. go up the country, down the links, Royal County Down, obviously, and Kilkeel. And then round Port Rush and Port Stewart and Castle Rock and these places, and they're all within two hours drive of each other. Yeah, so like it's it you can literally and people have done it come and play two rounds in the day, play Belfast and get in the get in the car and drive to Royal County Down, and before you know it, you're playing one of the toughest links courses in the world. So, yes, it works that way. I think um, interesting. You know, the NA opens well established now. This this. This mm -hmm. will be, I think it's, I don't know, 13, 14 stagings of it. Um, and this will, this is on the clutch tour. So it's, mm -hmm. it's probably the third level, but it does yeah. provide a great opportunity for 
some of the the younger players and the players coming through to make their way. And as we know, um, John Murphy did so well to win it, doing it last year. And, yeah. and you know the, the the clubs themselves really get involved, obviously. So the fact that the clubs and their members, some of them are going to get playing now, you know, it really should yeah. make for something a bit interesting. You know, the pro am format. It's it's uh, it, it can be good and it can be bad, but I think for the people, for the people involved, it's brilliant. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's just a very different way of playing and when you've got that responsibility to a teammate it's one thing but when when they're a pro (laughs) that's that's a whole other way of playing and also I think just getting the chance to be up close to people hitting those kind of shots and seeing the different way that they approach things and and also just having a great bit of crack and you know as well you find I think that people who you know when the pros play with amateurs who are like members around the course or something then they almost have an advantage when it comes to the actual you know the the tournament in general so if it's you know if it's not this format necessarily if it's a, a program first and then the tournament you see that they get a little bit of local wisdom so i think i think it, it can be good for the pros as well to, to have that side of it if you're not just with uh, some sort of excellent Northern Irish celebrity <laughs> there is someone who can actually give you a wee bit of inside information and but yeah like I say and just to have three such different challenges all within one tournament I mean we'll talk a bit about Seamus later I think he'd probably say there's a lot of variety in the Pebble Beach setup but it's not maybe as obvious it would be like you say with these these three courses so it's it's exciting and a little bit of a stir up and a little bit of a change is always good not that there was anything stale about it but it does just bring a little bit a little bit more excitement and you know renewed interest from maybe outside the golfing world yeah. in Northern Ireland and beyond as well doesn't it when there's something new and there's a bit of a new headline about stuff so yeah I think it'll be I think it'll be great you're gonna yeah. be trying to bag yourself a wee place in the, well uh, one of the 104 pairs there <laughs> just it's, it's interesting that you say that it's mm-hmm. the Monday after the Sunday the Irish Open finishes at um at Mount Juliet, so that's a third. Yeah. Mm. And the first day is on the fourth, so it's fourth, fifth, and sixth. So NI Open, yeah, that would be that would be a nice a nice little run there. However, just just while we're on talking about tournaments, the mm. very first Irish Disability Open is meant to be on those first three days as well. So oh, really? yeah, yeah. So um, um, I'm I'm spy for choice. I'd probably you'll probably find me at the Irish Disability Open because obviously as people know I'm. I'm involved in that sort of in a, mm-hmm. a in a sitting on committees and things. However, um, I may even dust the clubs off and play if I'm not feeling too bad. And it sets Northern Ireland up for a nice wee run of tournaments because we'll have the NI Open and then we'll have the Irish uh, the ISPS Handa, uh, and hopefully mm-hmm. then we'll also have the NI Masters as well. You know the event up at Clandy Bay. So it's uh, it's all it's all very good. Euro Pro Tour event as well. So really set up for a nice little run of of events in NI. So- as we said, John Murphy, uh, he won his professional first professional tournament at the NI Open last year at Carndu. Um, and John was actually playing at Pebble Beach recently. He's currently playing down in South Africa. So it's still early season, Emma, but aside from Leona, who, who will obviously get in the, get on to talking about uh, a wee bit soon, um, 
who sort of has stood out for you from our home players? Is there anybody really that's that's making a move? Seamus Parr, obviously, we'll have to talk about. He's probably been the leading light other than Leona. Anything yeah. else that, that's caught your eye? Hmm. Let me see. Well, I don't know. It looks like following all the all the trackers and things on on social media and trying to keep an eye spread across everybody it hasn't hasn't maybe been the best start for for the home talent um there's been promise and then maybe just the, the missed cuts have kind of crept in but it looks like it's been close for a lot of people though it looks like the challenge tour as as we speak today um on the first day actually looks like it's a bit more encouraging dare I say I don't want to grinch them or jinx them like I have a tendency to do things as we know me too well but um you know obviously friend of the pod in general all-star young amazing young chap Tom McKibben I just want I want them to do well and he started well Paul Paul Dunn and I think Niall Kearney are both sitting above him in the challenge at the minute but wouldn't it wouldn't it just be great if if Tom had a good season because yeah. he's been building to it and he had that you know he's had his first win as a as a pro now and yeah I just I have I have a good feeling I hate to say and make him make him like oh, just oh, fail oh, in got, the, got the Emma South seal of approval that's Tom's season down the pan now all together Tom I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I, um Stephanie meddled over in the LPGA yeah probably could do with a wee bit more um, you know, she'd probably like a, a bit more in terms of getting things running and getting things her season up and running. Um, yeah. And Olivia Mahaffey obviously still hasn't started yet, but um, she's hoping to probably play uh, on the Epsom tour and the secondary tour there over in the on on the in the US for most of her season. So it's you yeah. probably you don't want to be saying too much about anybody because they're still shaking off the old rust. But um, yeah. It's, they're putting it's, the work in though you know it's if, time, if it's yeah. on social media and things you can see the you can yeah. see the work and the prep that's going in there and you just you just want it to be successful obviously but it, you know you can't it's not like they're just like off on their holidays and they're going to turn up for a wee bit and we know well, we don't really think that but you know what I mean that the, the the grind is going in and they really they deserve to see some success off the back of it and, and like you're just saying you know the it's a confidence boost isn't it but it must just you, you need some reaffirming whatever your job is don't you that you do something well and then it inspires you to do a bit more and put put the effort in can keep putting the effort in so and you know particularly with Olivia we know that she has had a very a very tough time with her dad and everything in the last few months so. Well, I mean, obviously I've been gagging for a podcast so that we could start like fangirling properly. So uh, Leona Maguire and the LPGA is on a bit of a break at the minute, but the feel good factor from her win at the LPGA Drive On Championship remains and will do so for many months, years to come. Anyway, PK tracked down former LET professional Rebecca Codd to talk about laying the golfing groundwork for others to follow. Rebecca, thanks very much for coming on the NI Golf Channel podcast to talk a wee bit about Leona and her success. No problem. Thanks for having me. Rebecca, Leona's win was fantastic and seemed to light up Twitter and social media and the newspapers and one thing. But 
can you put it into context from somebody who's been out on tour and played when you were playing what was your thought process did did you aspire to the lpga and how far away did winning feel like to you um, well, I think like we all aspire for the LPGA. I mean, that was something that I definitely um, aspired to. And I, I actually had um, conditional status. Um, I think it was in my second year on the LET. Um, but yeah, I mean, we like it's it's a hard, a hard thing to do. Like, you know, I think people have, you know, they think, well, if you're if you're good enough, you'll just automatically do it but that's not the case you know like I think Fiona has something special she has that grit maybe that a lot of us don't have um just that sheer determination um to be to be the best um and I think that you know I think you know obviously you need talent um but yeah I think you have to have something just just a little bit extra to to get you over the line and in terms of the support structures and everything we always leona's got obviously uh, a management team she's got some sponsors she's she's in a position she's traveled into america she's gone to college in america she's got all those connections over there for somebody like yourself who didn't have those sorts of things and was trying to make that jump you know how difficult was it did it seem out of reach um, no it didn't seem out of reach um but I suppose it like the financial cost is 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 huge. Um, but in saying that, you know, like I was I was well looked after um, in my pro years um, with grants and and um, other sponsorship that that I acquired. Um, but it's you know it's it's like anything. It's you know you it a lot of hard work. Um, you know, and you're you're trying to travel from Europe to America, uh, back and forth. You know, it's it's hard work, and you know maybe we're not all cut out for that. You know, and and I I don't you know I can't really say definitively this is why some of us make it and some of us don't. You know, like but I mean we all put in the same amount of 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 work, and and um, we all you know, aspire for the same kind of things, um, why some of us uh, achieve it and why some of us don't. I mean, maybe it's just, like I said, maybe it's some of us have that, just that little bit extra when it comes to maybe, I don't know, mental toughness um, that that gets you over the line. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, Leona's win was obviously historic. Now, you've got young children. Um, yeah. Uh, girls, I believe, one girl anyway. Um, how important is it for people to see something like Leona winning? Now, Leona, we know, keeps talking about, she's a big fan of that, you know, can't seem be seen, but you're out there yeah. on the ground, you've got young girl. Um, was she aware of it? Did she pay any attention to it? Or is she even in the golf in the first place? <laughs> she might not be in the golf, as only realised. Uh, she's interesting. Kate's, um, she's eight going on nine and she, like she's just last year she joined the golf club and she's starting to get into golf now and um, she's not she's not mad into it by no means um but she go you know she'll go out for a few holes with me um but yeah she did know and and probably the only reason why she you know if I'm if I'm brutally honest uh, is because her dad works on the LPGA and 
uh, Shane would be um, pretty good friends with Leona and her caddy Dermot. So, uh, so that's where her awareness would have come. So, but it it makes a huge difference, you know, like for someone like Kate to see an Irish girl winning on the LPGA, LPGA, you know, the the best tour there is for women's golf. Like, you know, they it gives them something to aspire to because they see her doing it, then it's like, you know, I, I can do, you know, this is something maybe that I I can achieve, you know. So it's it's great. It's really good for for uh girls golf and ladies golf in the country. When you were starting, who who did you who did you aspire to to, to copy and be? Who was the role model for lady professional golfers, women professional golfers trying to make their way on tour? Because there wasn't too many of them. No, well, like I remember um, when I was, you know, when I was starting to take golf like very seriously, you know, in, <clears throat> around 15, 16, um, I remember Sari Pack. I don't know if you if you know Sari. And she was just at the time, she was incredible. You know, this this South Korean that was winning everything. And she was, I suppose, um, different in respect that she was very fit strong um and so that was someone that I kind of you know I, I was watching and, and I was there going wow this is incredible and and then obviously then Kari Webb was around the same time so you know growing up in Australia obviously Kari's an icon so you know they're they were kind of my generation growing up Kari you had um Laura Davies another you know incredible golfer you see Laura and you just think, you you know, as, as a 15, 16 year old and you're there like dreaming about hitting it as far as Laura and, you know, things like that. So, you know, I, I, they were probably the main ones that, that I was kind of looking up to as a kid. Yeah. Noticeable, but that there's no Irish names or there's no local no, talent, which was so, yeah. it was so, so unusual to hear of, of, of Irish talent playing even, let i know there was a number of around your area there was a number of girls made that but the, the, yeah the, it was low key there wasn't the same sort of focus no and i suppose like you know uh, when i got a little bit older i was more aware of say maureen medill and and lillian bean and um, i played i remember playing with lillian in the car scratch cup you know she was a great golfer um mary mckenna you know like the, those kind of names but they didn't really i, I think lillian went and played on tour for maybe I don't know how long she played, but I know she, she uh, it wasn't for her. Um, but yeah, like there there wasn't kind of I suppose that breakthrough from amateur to professional golf where you had somebody that you know you've seen playing week on week. Well, when we look at Leona's success and and where she's come from, where she's been to, um, and you said there's a certain amount of grit, talent obviously, but a grit and a a focus yeah. which is which is pretty pretty laser like when she gets into into the into contention. Um, what is is that? What's impressed you most about her her rise, or is there something that something else that you've picked up on over the last while that that sort of makes her stand out to you? No, well, I mean, it, I think it's just that that sheer determination, and um, you know, because it, like all you have to do is is go to a tour event, right? And you look at all of the, the women on the range and you go out and follow the golf. They all hit the ball really well. Like there's, you know, they're all good. They wouldn't be there if they weren't good enough. 
but to make you that you know that extra special that you know you win consistently um and you're you know a top you know 30 player in the world or top 20 player in the world you have to have something you know you have to have that x factor and um and you know i think leona is definitely showing that that she has that and i remember playing with herself and her sister um when they were i think they were in the nine or like they were very young i remember playing a few holes in carlo with them and being you know very impressed like but like like most you know there's lots of kids that are very good but um the one thing that probably um, stood out was that, you know, even though we were out for a friendly few holes of golf, I could feel like the competition from the two of them against me. Um, so that was very different to, you know, playing with a regular kid. So that, you know, they were showing that at a very young age. When we look at the, the, the sort of where we are with ladies golf in Ireland and, and, uh, and across the world, but let's just focus on Ireland here. Um, yeah. Obviously, we have Leona and Stephanie come behind with Olivia, Lauren Walsh. It seems to be in rude good health. Um, the Irish, return of the Women's Irish Open, what, is that the key, really, for for developing another another batch of players? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like You need to have an Irish Open. I mean, when I was playing, um, we had it for, for a good few years, and, you know, you see it when you're playing, you see all the, you know, the kids out watching, um, you know, there were schools had local schools brought the kids out to what, like, if they're not seeing it, then, you know, how do you ever expect them to, to develop and, and continue on? Um, so that's your starting point is having, having the likes of a, of a national open. Um, and, you know, I, hopefully that, you know, it's supposed to happen this year and I'm, I'm hoping that, that will be the case because it would be great. It would be great for for all girls in the country. Would you be uh, dusting off the clubs? <laughs> I don't think so. I haven't. I haven't played competitive golf for a while. <laughs> well, back to the owner. How far away do you think she is of uh, a major championship? I know it's very, very. It seems very harsh. You know, she just won her first LPGA event. Yeah. But now we're saying, right? Let when's your next? When's your next major? But and I do know it's it's, it's ridiculous to ask. But it is is it is it fanciful or is it something that is a, a a something that's attainable? Do you think? No, I think it's attainable. I don't. I don't think it's out of her reach at all. Um, you know, it. I suppose the next thing for uh, for Leona is going to be. You know, you win you win your first event um, and then staying at that, at that level and not drifting back, you know, like that's, I suppose the key um, as to, you know, if, if she thrives off of that win, then yeah, definitely, you know, a, a major um, is attainable, but you know, you just, you don't know, do you, you know, with, with golf, um, you don't know if you get injured. You know, there's like a, there's a lot of things that can happen but if you were to go by her her ability and her just her mental toughness, I'd say, yeah, it's well attainable. Brilliant, Rebecca. Listen, thank you very much. And yourself and your career, you, you do a bit of teaching now, I believe. Yeah, I, I teach um, at the Harrington Golf Academy um, in Dryden Park Golf Centre. 
so yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last few years, um, which has been great. You know, it wasn't something that I that I thought I would ever get into, but um, since I have, I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoy um, working with my clients and and trying to improve prove their game at all levels. You know, it's not just it's not just elite golfers. It's you know. 30 handicappers 20 handicappers you know like seeing them improve you know it's great and and most people that work with me are, you know they're in it for the long term and they they really you know they put the effort in which is which is a, a really like what I love to see um because I know how much work <laughs> is involved when it comes to golf so you know I've, I've been enjoying that process um outside of 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 playing yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I was trying to get across by speaking to Rebecca is that for some people, obviously, who who wouldn't be aware, you know, Leona's the only show in town, and I don't know that there was people playing their trade on the LET and trying to make their way in the LPGA long before, and you know, it, it was tough, and some of them made a decent enough stab at it, as Rebecca said, she did have conditional status at one stage, but mm -hmm. times are different, and, and we have to be honest, we Leona is actually just, as she said, there's something different about her. Um, it was a funny one, it was one of those ones mm -hmm. that, that the win was brilliant, uh, it, it, it felt so, so, so significant, but yeah, it wasn't a surprise. You sort of were thinking, I was just going to win at some stage. Uh, yes. So, it was so the fulfillment the, of the prophecy, basically, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the element <laughs> of surprise was gone. It didn't make it yeah. any less enjoyable, but it, it was nerve just, wracking. No, it just, it was just like, right, she's done that. Now we can leave her alone <laughs> and, 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 and take the pressure off a bit. Um, and I noticed there's mm -hmm. people already starting talking about majors, but uh, and you know, I think I yeah, think we'll yeah. give her give her a bit of a a bit of a break. But she's back home in Ireland now, actually, um, doing a few things. I haven't seen any homecomings as Leave Russell yet, but I'm sure that might happen. <laughs> Absolutely, and I would say as well that there is a lot of like all the Irish tour pros congratulating her has been lovely. The president as well, obviously, but you know they've all have there's been a wee nod of the hat, hat to the the caddy involvement as well you know if it, it feels like if there was any sense of that that there's a good solid partnership there that's going to take the edge off it was very exciting it was very exciting I was leaping up and down off my sofa and just thinking oh my god her mom must be just like in bits right now <laughs> she just exudes calm and just not not arrogant calm by any means at all just a sense of yeah like you say she knows who she is and what she's doing she just seems to be so together she has it all together uh why why would she suddenly change her her methodology so fingers crossed for leona we'll be talking about her i'm sure non-stop during the year which is great absolutely great for so long with no women to talk about competing at the top level and now we have Alright, don't touch me. Touch me. See woo. Shaking that ass. Shaking that ass. Shaking that ass. See woo. Shaking that ass. Shaking that ass. Shaking that ass. <laughs>